Since 1983, Copenhagen Modern Furniture has showcased Austin's largest collection of fine contemporary furniture and accessories. Now, at Copenhagen, save $500 on any stressless signature or leg comforter recliner model. For more ways to save, shop online at copenhagenliving.com or visit the showroom on Breaker Lane. Copenhagen Modern Furniture, Austin's premier destination for everything contemporary since 1983. Just to create something for other people to have fun and actually like create a memory, I think is really the most special thing for me. To like create happiness, yep. I think is pretty, pretty magical. Welcome to I Love You So Much, the podcast about the people, places, and things we love about Austin. Our podcast is from the feature staff at the Austin American Statesman, and we're sponsored by Copenhagen Furniture. I'm Statesman restaurant critic and reporter Matthew Odom, and in this week's episode, we sit down for cold beers with Aaron Franklin. The James Beard award-winning chef has been very busy lately, even busier than usual. He's released a steak cookbook, stars in a masterclass series, and is preparing for the third annual Hot Luck Festival. We chat with him about all of that and more. We even talk a little barbecue. So without further ado, here's my chat with barbecue master Aaron Franklin. We're here at Crown and Anchor with Aaron Franklin. When I reached out to you to get together, I gave you a list of a few places we could maybe uh, meet for a cold beer. Mm -hmm. You chose Crown and Anchor. Any reason why? Uh, Because I go to Nickel City way too often. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't going to name the other places. (laughs) Um, Most of our hot luck meetings and stuff happen at Nickel City because it's so close to the restaurant and right behind Gorilla Suit. Um, And Crown and Anchor has always been one of my favorites. Yeah. You know, it's a nice patio. It's a nice day. It's kind of hot. It opened in 87. How long have you been in Austin? I moved here in 1996. So I made a list a year or so ago of my favorite burgers in town. And yeah, most of them. I know. <laughs> most of them. <laughs> most of them were probably on the higher end, but there was a there were a good handful of uh, cheaper kind of old school burgers, if you will. This mm-hmm. was one of them. Yeah, I love the taste. I said, it feels like the griddle hasn't been changed or cleaned in thirty years here. Yeah, and that's this is probably like the only kind of restaurant that that's actually an asset. Right. Um, kind of like Hofbrau or you know like a lot of those kinds of places. Um, yeah, I've been eating burgers here for a real long time. What do you like in a burger? Um, well, it depends. I people actually ask me a lot. <clears throat> like, oh, what's your favorite burger in town? We're in town. Where should we get a burger? Um, a, I think Austin doesn't have a great burger scene. We could do better. Um, but there's also like, what kind of burger do you want? Do you want like a diner kind of like dirties, you know, like um, Crown and Acre kind of burger? Something like Billy's on Burnett's always a favorite. Um, or do you want like a fancy burger, like something from Justine's? So I think it depends on what you want. Or do you have time to go to Daidue for a nice burger? That burger's pretty great, that huh? That burger's super good. I had it the other day for the first time. I still like Odd Duck's burger a whole lot. Um, but I've never had the burger. Oh, there. you haven't? It's really good. I think it's you'd, not my neighborhood. I think you'd like it. Um, do you cook burgers at home? Yeah. Yeah, I do. So you've recently come out with a, uh, a cookbook for steaks. Mm-hmm. You're notoriously, or famously, sorry, I should say, a uh, bit of a perfectionist, and you've obviously fine-tuned the craft of barbecue over a decade by running a business and having hands-on experience doing so. I would think it's pretty rare that somebody would release a book about a food item or a cuisine that they're not 
known for necessarily. Yeah. Not that it's a huge leap from from brisket to steak, but so what made you think you were ready to talk about it out in the open in terms of how people should cook steaks? Well, you know, this might be a might really bum you out, but I've been actually running an underground steakhouse for ten years. <laughs> and it, I thought what's, it was what's it called? It's called Franklin Steak. <laughs> and I thought it was about time we did a steak book. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, now, I mean, really, it kind of started when we were Jordan and I were writing the barbecue book, and we'd, you know, he'd show up to the restaurant with me at like twelve thirty in the morning, cook ribs, go through the lunch, and all that stuff, and then we'd get out of work. <laughs> Needs a muffler change. Wow. <laughs> Bearings. Um, yeah, and then so we'd finish up work at Franklin Barbecue, end up back at my house to kind of go over notes and just talk about some stuff, and. Uh, we felt like almost every night we would just like pick up some steaks at Salt and Time or run by Central Market and just be like, what do you want to do? Oh, let's go have a beer and grill some steaks and think about it. Because um, I really like to eat steak a lot more than brisket. It's not nearly as rich. So I think it's like, in fact, I'm about to go home and grill steaks for dinner right after this. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it seemed like, you know, we started kind of nerding out after working at the at the restaurant, working on the first book, we'd go back to the house, cook some steak, and kind of found ourselves getting really nerdy into that. And the way that I talked about brisket, apparently, as Jordan noted, was also the same way I talked about steak. Like, oh, the texture here. Oh, let, this fat right here. Let's put it on its side. And, like, you kind of cook steak and say, just like, man, that's really, that's an oddball way to cook steak. I'm like, ah, you know, whatever. Cooking on fire. Um, and he had always kind of wanted to work on a steak book, so few years went by and um 10 speed was like hey did you ever think about doing another book I'm like no not really oh but steak could be fun so we ended up just doing the steak thing when it had a blast doing it too i learned a did. ton what did, where did you learn by cooking or you learned through research what what did you learn um, i'm not much of a researcher yeah. jordan's really good at that stuff uh-huh. um i'm more of a kind of just hands-on figure it out and come up with my own way to do it um, but yeah, so that's kind of how the steak thing worked. I, I think we probably cooked 100, 150 steaks for this book. Um, and like really did some dialed in experiments, you know, had lasers. I had this 36 inch plancha on my back porch that we moved onto my back porch for the book and um, had like a series of lasers to like figure out like Maillard reaction and did uh, moisture contents, like took actual like moisture measurements of crust on steaks to like, you know, put into a spreadsheet and come up with like these things and stuff um it got pretty nerdy and needless so, to say i was really into it and so yeah Ooh. and so the nerdiness of it the, the fine tuning with the steak sounds similar to kind of what you've done with barbecue and yeah, wood yeah. and smoke and very much so humidity and all um, that stuff and actually you know oddly enough working on the steak book i kind of also learned the same thing that i learned with barbecue it's like no matter how technical you get on this stuff it all comes down to feel. It all comes down to intuition. It all comes down to just like using your hands and feeling this, touching this, knowing how hot this is and just having a good idea of kind of what you're doing. Um, and it's exactly the same way with steak. It's the same way with any cooking. Yeah. Like you can't you can't take the, the hands out of it. I haven't read the entire book. I assume you're charcoal only? Um, I actually prefer um, burning post oak down to coals and then just using those. Wow. The flavor is so much more clean. Yeah. Um, 
But nobody's really going to burn a third of a cord of wood for two steaks. <laughs> That's dumb. I always have uh, trouble with, with charcoal in terms of knowing exactly when keeping it hot enough, you know. Oh my gosh, you should read this book. Apparently so. It's got a whole chapter on that, I think. <laughs> well, I just, don't tell anybody, but I just bought a new house. We bought a new house and we've got gas installed. So You're I'm recording this. I think you just told everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Edit. Anywho, so we've got a gas grill on the back, and oh my God. I know, I know. Aaron Franklin has left the building, <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out. One, I'll have to just swallow my pride and do that. But yeah, I, I wouldn't mean, feel too bad about it. We have a gas grill at home too. So for the for I people use, who I haven't read the book, uh, peppers and stuff. Yeah. So for people who haven't read the book yet, what is the, the key on on the coals? Um, well, man, that's, that could be a can of worms, really. Um, right off the top, I prefer all-natural briquettes, so this might actually solve your problem. Um, you know, like, if you burn lump charcoal, it's like, oh, it's really hot. Oh, it's getting there. Oh, and my coals gone. died. Yeah. And then they're gone. Um, they're not real consistent, but with, like, B&B charcoal makes one. Um, Big Green Egg makes an all-natural, but it doesn't have any accelerants or like petroleum products or any of that stuff. It's just like natural charcoal pressed into briquettes. Um, but when you get those briquettes, you know kind of the BTUs that you're going to get out of each one. So when you do a charcoal chimney, it's a lot easier to kind of visualize when maybe you drop the coals right before they're like when they're almost going to get too hot and then you kind of see it through and then you kind of know when they're going to taper off. Um, and then also you should light a second charcoal chimney to refresh. Just to make sure you have them? So or? like you dump one and then you light it up again and yep. just keep that going. So while you're cooking, you can just kind of take some tongs and pick some charcoal out of there or just dump a second load. You just did a uh, master class in which you spend four or five hours talking through your, your barbecuing process. We obviously can't go through that in detail. For well, it was a four. It was a four-hour class on just grilling broccolini. <laughs> Check it out, folks. It's on broccolini.org. The, uh, the but you talk about how home cooks should use mustard, and I think some people know about this. Um, maybe not should, but I think it kind of helps a little bit. What does it do? Um, really, so you know, it, it's a slather. Um, and if so you trim up this brisket you've got this piece of meat you want some type of in quotations air quotes uh, glue to make the rub stick right because you don't really like rub or I don't at least um, like really rub salt and pepper seasoning onto a piece of meat it's more like a sprinkle and you just kind of pat it um, you could use water you could use vinegar beer hot sauce whatever we splash a little bit of water at the restaurant um, just to kind of moisten up the surface enough to make the pepper and the salt stick. Um, but really, I mean, if I'm cooking at home or something like that, I pretty much always use mustard. If you're cooking a brisket at home. I didn't think you could. Well, 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 it, let me rephrase that. If I'm cooking brisket, not at the restaurant. Gotcha. For like an event or something like that. Or... Gotcha. Speaking of events, you were out west recently uh, in Los Angeles. I mean, it's just <clears throat> shocking to me anyways between... Brooklyn and Los Angeles, the fact that barbecue is just everywhere now. You're shocked, and <laughs> and you're it's the crazy. You're the problem. <laughs> you did this. It's a very interesting <laughs> weekend in Los Angeles because I had a lot of people actually coming up, and be like, you know, this is your fault. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh no, oh no, don't. It's not my thing. I mean, I kind of think that it is, but I won't pin it on you. But yeah. I, I mean, I think 
It is but, pretty nuts, though, being able to go around. You know, I did the uh, James Beard house, of, I guess about a month ago in New York. Bumped into a lot of barbecue people. I had a ton of really sweet guests there that do barbecue and are into that stuff. And then going to L.A. last weekend, doing this event, it's insane. I was in L.A. four years ago, and there wasn't one barbecue joint in the entire city of Los Angeles. And now I think they're probably five or six, just in a matter of like three years. I mean, I really do think that you are largely responsible in starting that wave. I think a lot of people agree, so I'm not buttering you up, but um, I'm not mustarding you, you up. You try to get me to <laughs> try to get me to buy you another beer. <laughs> but you know, part of that is also because barbecue was always such a humble preparation. It was such a humble yeah, method. Yeah, it's it was about as simple as it gets. Yeah, and so I think. It was something that had space to be dialed up and to be elevated and to be modernized. And so I think that barbecue wasn't being made at its peak, you know, pardon the word, artisanal level until, yeah. until you Boutique. came along. Boutique Ew, barbecue. Gross, gross. Boutique so gross. Boutique <laughs> Oh. I can to you. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I never really thought of it that way. Um, I think... I mean, you got into it not to make the same stuff you grew up eating in Central East Texas, right? Well, I think I got into it not knowing what I was getting into. Right. I think I got into it just as fun, hanging out in the backyard. And, you know, it very quickly kind of became like a, a passion, you know, like 16 years ago, 17 years ago or so. Um, when I was playing music and playing a band and stuff, you know, like, hey, Aaron's, Aaron and Stacey's Sunday, Sunday summertime barbecue. Um and I got really nerdy on it, but I don't think I really knew what I was going for. I just knew that I wanted it better and better and better and better. Kind of same thing as playing in a band, same thing as making beer or roasting coffee or, or any of that stuff, you know? I wouldn't be that happy with just like, you know, like, eh, it's good enough. I don't really care. It's definitely not, not my style. Not at all. Um, but barbecue did have a lot of room to go up. Um, still has a lot of room to go up. Although I don't know how, because there's some really incredible barbecue out there. Um, but yeah, there's always room for improvement. There's, al there's always stuff to learn. So when you got into barbecue, you didn't know exactly in which direction you were headed. Where I was just doing it for fun. I mean, right. kind of like anything else. I mean, it certainly started off as a hobby, like most good things, mm -hmm. um, I feel like. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I remember cooking the first brisket in my backyard and kind of thinking to myself, self... I think it might be really cool to open a barbecue joint one day. And I was also thinking that because my parents had a barbecue joint when I was a kid. So I kind of knew like what it looked like from the inside already. Although, not a real accurate view of that because I was a kid when right. they had their place. It turns out it's a lot harder than it looked. <laughs> um, but um, So's life. <laughs> you know, generally Compared speaking, to what yeah. kids think. <laughs> what, um, but I mean, I so want to wear these sparkly <laughs> shoes. Oh, oh, man. Something beautiful about it. Yeah. So, you probably didn't end up seeing yourself becoming, you know, quote unquote, a chef, much less a James Beard winning chef. And now. Well, chef's still a strong word, I feel like. Well, I know, and we've had a lot of conversations about this over the years. But, yeah. But I mean, ah, now so I know it makes you uncomfortable, but I mean, you are. And now you're talking about steaks, and I see you from your social media and from talking to you and hearing stuff elsewhere you've even spent some time in Louisiana and have been fiddling around with gumbo and po'boys oh god I love gumbo it's like my liquid brisket when did you when did your interest in, in Cajun cuisine start uh, probably when I was about 16 17 cause of I actually one of my best friends from high school 
Um, when I met him, he had just moved from New Orleans, so hanging out at his parents' house, and his grandma would make gumbo and send home like etouffees and stuff like that. And you're like, what is this? What is this? Oh my God, what is this? Um, and then I started going to New Orleans with him when we were about 18, or when I was 18, I guess. Um, and yeah, I've been, been sold on it for years. And actually, also, my, uh, my grandfather's from Louisiana also, so when I was a kid, kind of this also led me into brisket but they would cook uh like pot roast and stuff like that not barbecue but just like you know really tender meat and like gravies and like you know beef tips and rice and i didn't really realize it until a number of years later but that was like some pretty cajun food that he was cooking is this your grandparents that had the music store yep yep same people and mm-hmm. which oddly enough today my grandfather is moving in a, into an assisted living facility today right as we speak as we speak and yeah. you're sitting here drinking beer i was gonna go <laughs> hang out with him um, but then you wanted to drink beers instead. <laughs> I'm so, going to try to go visit him tomorrow. So you're cooking boudin at your third annual uh, uh, well, festival? Is that right? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, little change I haven't really... I have been so busy and haven't really had much of a chance to really work on that recipe. Um, well, it's going to be a little tight. going to be tight. Turns out I've been spending time... Uh, working on a festival um, and not much time working on the food. Oddly enough, I'm not much of a chef for a food festival. Like, since I actually like work on the festival, it doesn't allow much time to like go hang out in the kitchen. Right. Um, so we'll see how this boudin thing works out. I, I hope it's good. Are you surprised that you've ended up... Let's just say you've become a chef or a, a, a professional cook and restaurant owner. Are you surprised that you're now entering these other areas of interest with the Cajun food, with what you're doing at Laura, with Tyson Cole and the, the, the Asian smokehouse stuff? Yeah, I don't think I feel surprised by it. I think I've, it feels really natural. Um, <clears throat> I'm a big fan of not forcing things and just kind of letting things happen very organically. Um, you know, much like barbecue. And it, it, for example, it took us like, 10 years to open up a dinky little barbecue trailer, you know, named Franklin Barbecue. Um, I think it's Franklin's Barbecue. Uh, Franklin's <laughs> Barbecue. There's definitely an S in there. <laughs> if we're going to get technical. Um, but yeah, I mean, it took like a super duper long time and it kind of like the way I think it's like, well, you don't ever like force something. You don't ever push it. But when you feel when it's kind of like the time to like, you know, make boudin for a festival or do a thing with, with Tyson and the, and the high hospitality guys, or when it's time to make pot roast for hot luck a couple years ago or something like that. It's kind of, you know, if it, if it seems like fun and it's something you're into, I think you should do it. Uh, but you shouldn't force it. Like, oh, I want to cook this food. It's like if you're kind of guided by the food, it's like you should be, I don't know, maybe more guided by where your heart leads you, perhaps. Does that sound corny? That's nope. pretty corny. No, I think that's great. The, um, you know, the thing I think about Franklin and that I tell people who haven't, you know, braved the Franklin's. lines. Franklin's it's barbecue. Franklin's. <laughs> Is that a Z or an S? That's a Z. Two Zs. Is that the experience, and not just the line and getting to know strangers, but the music, the cold beer, once you get inside. I mean, the thing I always say is it's 8.30 in the morning and I go into the restroom and it's always spotless. Everybody's always welcoming. Nobody's ever like, what are you doing in here? So oh, early. Man, we're like, glad you're finally coming inside to take a leak. Right. So, You've well, probably been holding it for a very that. long time. <laughs> the, uh, but, you know, the experience is as good as any 
restaurant experience, hospitality experience in the city. Yeah, um, as it should be. Right, but it's not, you know, pretentious or stuffy in any way. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the festival, as much as it is based on your idea behind cooking food, is your idea of hospitality. And so... Yeah, absolutely. How did you dial the hospitality at the restaurant, and how does that translate to the festival? Um, we didn't really have to try very hard. All these things seem to just naturally fall into place. Um, you know, we started the barbecue trailer with just me and Stacy, Stacy and I, if you will. Um, no, it's me. Me. Um, so we started off the trailer with, with just the two of us, and uh, it never. We didn't have to like think about like how hospitality was going to go. I mean, that's kind of a silly word anyway. It's like it should just exist. It's called being a being a good person. <laughs> yeah, it's called being nice to people. It's right. no big deal. Um, you know, so that part comes supernatural. Um, but yeah, and I think as Franklin Barbecue got busier and we more people started showing up, we hired more people, that kind of, like, good vibes are infectious for sure. Um, and we've got some of the sweetest people that work at our place that are so just kind and giving and, and you know, do such good work. Um, but nobody's really faking it. Like, nobody's really trying that hard to be nice. They're just nice people. Mm-hmm. Um and I think kind of the same thing with Hot Luck. I mean, it's such an Austin-y thing. Um, it's definitely a spinoff of Franklin Barbecue in a lot of ways. It's definitely a spinoff of Fun 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 Fest. I mean, it's like, it's a lot of cool Austin stuff kind of coming together for one festival. Um, but again, you know, we're just nice to each other and everybody's really excited about what they're doing. And I don't think a hospitality aspect is something that any of us have ever even thought about. That's just the way it is. What's the coolest <clears throat> moment you've experienced well, one of the coolest moments you've experienced at Hot Luck, whether it be two chefs who'd never met each other meeting, whether it be you getting to do something with somebody, whether it be a musical performance, like, was the first time something really hit you and you were like, damn, this is great, and also it's happening at my festival? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think there, there are a lot of those little things, like a lot of those little moments. I think <clears throat> maybe the first year when we were at Wild Onion Creek Ranch at the Fuego event on the Saturday. Um, I'd been cooking and doing all the stuff and pulling trailers and, and stuff. And I, <laughs> Well, okay, so I've got two stories for that particular event. Um, one of them is one that several people tell back to me often. Uh, but the first one I'm going to share is I was kind of sitting there um, talking to people and I was watching complete strangers, people that bought tickets and were excited to be there. I was like, these people came to this thing that like we built and um you know seeing people watching people at at stations and and chefs you know handing them their food or you know maybe like the guest is back there like you know somebody's showing them how to grill something on a grill and it's like super interactive or they're just like standing in the corner having a beer with their friends or people are like introducing you know getting introduced to new people and stuff like that and just kind of like scanning the the scene is feel like, man, every single person here has a smile on their face. Like, that was, like, the most heartwarming thing um, for the whole deal, and still is. I mean, it's the same thing at Franklin, too. Um, but just seeing how happy people were, and then, you know, going up to them and be like, hey, thanks for coming out, or on their way out, and be like, oh, my God, we had so much fun. It's so great. And, you know, just to create something for other people to have fun and actually, like, create a memory, I think is really the most special thing for me. Uh, but that was, you know, it's not that... I, I don't have that good of a moment like that you're kind of looking for, uh, but just to like create happiness, yeah, I think it's pretty pretty magical. 
there's a lot of terrible stuff going on in this world and they have like create an escape for that for four hours or three hours and just people just go have fun and you know that's that's really cool have you had a great musical moment at Hot Lot? Um, Hot Snakes was pretty awesome last year, that's for sure. And who cooked it? Did somebody cook at that? Um, did you cook something at that? No, no, <laughs> I did not cook for that one. Um, I can't remember what gosh, it was. I think it was Eli from Olympic Provisions. He did hot dogs. He or did. sausages. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, Hot Snakes. Um, this year I'm really excited about Archers of Loaf. Home Slice Pizza is doing, doing pizza. Oh, really? No loaves of bread. No, that's weird. <laughs> Nobody really wants a loaf of bread. <laughs> What's the? Um, although it would absorb alcohol pretty well. Well, it would. Speaking of alcohol, so pizza, <laughs> beer or uh, liquor? For me? Yeah. Um, I like them both. <laughs> <laughs> if you're um, dr- if you're drinking liquor, what spirit? Rye. Rye. Pretty much exclusively rye. Yeah. Um, I get into bourbon sometimes. It's a little too sweet for me. I I like ryes. It, it, well, Japanese whiskey, of course, is. Well, Woo! Nika coffee grain. Did, did your uh, give it to me? Did your partner James Moody introduce you to Japanese whiskey by any chance? Mm-mm. You were already down. Nah, with I it. think I was already. Uh, you might introduce down him to, to it. Japanese whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> the um, who would be your dream uh, music booking at uh, Hot Luck? Mm, boy, um, I hadn't thought about that since we started booking bands. Um, uh, oddly enough, one in. I don't think it would be, it, like, so, like, a, a dream booking for me isn't necessarily a show that would sell, uh, that anybody else would be interested in going to, but I was kind of trying to devise a plan to get this band Jawbox, this DC band Jawbox back together uh, for a one-off reunion show, and I wanted to do, like, this whole, like, non-profit aspect of the show where 100% of the proceeds go to the certain non-profit, um, and it turns out they're actually starting a reunion tour like it here in a couple weeks well you could have been their first show of the tour <laughs> I could have been uh, and they're playing at the Mohawk uh, and I'm going to be out of town oh wow Joe Gross will be there I would imagine probably <laughs> yeah so the uh, you, this is your third year at Hot Luck what what worked so far and, and at what hasn't worked that you were and were you surprised by either one of those two things like what, what lessons have you learned that you've been able to to get better from um i have learned to not try to do as much stuff myself to kind of like hand some stuff off is that hard for oh my gosh oh my gosh <laughs> had a conversation today uh about it it's like ah oh. it's like i think everything's going good you guys got this you're like yep yeah, we're great got this everything's super smooth lined up really well i'm like uh, did you get the footbridge yep done oh oh did you guys remember to order the yeah we got it like, hmm. It's hard to let go, isn't it? But it's really hard to let go. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that's that's the biggest lesson for me, is that it's hard to let go, but the lesson is is that I need to, uh, because other people do things way better than I do. Yeah, and if you surround yourself <laughs> with the right people, then there's, there's actually a benefit in letting go, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's a cool thing. This will be uh, the first year of hot luck that we've got an all in Austin production crew because uh, the first year of course Feast we, we pulled a lot of resources from Feast in Portland um, and then last year we had some people from Feast and it was kind of a you know mishmash of the two and this year we've actually got pretty much everything exclusively in Austin uh, we've managed to get a few people 
uh, that have been working for about the past year on this thing, and it's it's definitely going in a good direction. I mean, there's still only like five of us working on this thing full time. It's a very small crew. It's ama- I'm one of those. It's ama- you're one of the five. <laughs> I'm one of the five. <laughs> you're two of the five. Um, it's amazing how relaxed the environment is and how unique it feels as it should um, at Hot Luck <clears throat> which kind of feels like the way you want Austin to feel in your whether you're from here or have just heard about Austin yeah. and are visiting it's kind of I think it fits the Austin stereotype right and so do you think you know people always joke about you know South by happens and then 500 more people move to Austin like <laughs> it seems like Hot Luck would be a great kind of calling card for the city and we can make people want to move here especially chefs do you think austin is going to start attracting more talent i'm always surprised that bigger Um, chefs from san francisco and new york and la don't think to to move here it seems like there's there's room for great you know that's interesting that you mentioned that because i also kind of have a theory on that um but firstly i i don't think hot luck will ever get big enough where it impacts the city in that way you know with like Maybe two people might move here every 10 years from Hot Luck, but it, it won't be anything like South by Southwest um, because we really intentionally want to keep it small. Like, it's really, it's never going to get to that level. Which is the same, it's not like Franklin Barbecue in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Is that a quality control kind of thing? Yes, yeah. absolutely. And it's also that, you know, we're worried that if it ever got too big or the events were too big, then it would lose the magic. It would lose its you know, it's supposed to feel intimate and and where you could actually meet up with your friends or you can make your way around the thing. Um, You can spend your time not standing in line the whole time and just, you know, you should be able to make your way through the whole thing over three or four hours. Um, So, yeah, we're definitely keeping it small. I I think this year might be getting about where we're going to plateau as far as, like, where, where we want the ticket sales to be and stuff like that. And then we'll just add more smaller events. As opposed to like a few really big ones. That's um, a su- that's a sweet bird call. How did you? Man, that is a rad <laughs> bird call. How did you do that? Well, got this throat issue. <laughs> so I mean, it's from smoke inhalation. I'm gonna guess <clears throat> that t- before you answer the second part about chefs moving here, my top 50 restaurants every year is always locally owned restaurants. Mm-hmm. And we've seen people try and come here from other towns and not succeed. Well, and that's what I was going to say, is that I don't think Austin's a very inviting place for outsiders. Right. As much as it is, and it's people, you know, obviously people move here, what is it, like 9,000 people move here every four hours? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's I, the exact I, I number. I think I read that stat recently. Um, so many people move here, and we're, as a city, we're so friendly, and we are so inviting, but I feel like when like hotshot chefs try to come in from out of town like oh we're going to show those Austin people what's up it's kind of like eh, can we wear flip flops to your restaurant right mm, maybe this one isn't for this place um, Austin is so unique in so many ways that I don't think you can take a cookie cutter restaurant from another city like San Francisco or San Diego or LA or New York or heck maybe even Portland in some ways you know which is super similar to Austin yeah um you know, it's just, that's what makes regions regions. That's what makes cities be their own cities. Um, and I don't think that you can really get, you know, any restaurant from any town USA and plop it right in the middle of Austin and have people really be that excited about it. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but, I mean, there are exceptions. I mean, I can think of a handful of rad chefs that if they opened up something here, 
that say, be like, whoa, those guys are awesome. And they would be accepted, but you kind of have to, like, cut your teeth a little bit. You kind of have to, like, you know, you got to earn it just a little bit. And I guess if you're a chef that's coming to Hot Luck, part of the benefit is you get to come experience Austin. Yeah, totally. Almost like you live here for a week, and then uh-huh. you can dip out and go back to your, yeah, to your actual Yeah, but I think life. it's a lot like me going up to Feast every year for Portland. I mean, right. we've been doing that for six years now. Six? Maybe seven. But it's been a while. Um, and I think I've done almost all of them except for the year that we had the fire. Um, you know, but the first time I went there, you know, just kind of like did this little event. It was fine. And then the second year, a couple of the same people showed up. And I do the same event every year. And it's the same people. And I feel like over the years of doing this festival in Austin, I show up to Portland and I've got so many restaurant friends. And we can just slide in. It's almost like our second home. You know, we know what neighborhood we like to hang out in. We go to this restaurant. We give hugs over here. We go meet up with these guys for drinks. Um, and I think it, that kind of goes both ways. You know, yeah. I think people, the more you hang out here, the more you're kind of like, oh, you get your friends. You get to kind of hang out and stuff and, and figure out what's going on. Um, so maybe some one day some of those people open up a restaurant here. Yeah. I was trying to think of the restaurants I've been in other parts of the country that would work here or that I'd love to see here. I mean, I think of... Pock Pock in Portland, Lay Pigeon in, oh, uh, in Portland. And I'm so excited about Gabe this year uh, for Hot Luck. What's he doing? Um, he is doing the Hi, How Are You event at Franklin Barbecue, the friends and family kind of thing. Um, that guy's awesome. Man. Ah, so good. Um, I don't know what his dish is yet, though. What's next on the horizon? You've got the steak cookbooks out. Yeah. You got hot luck wheeling and dealing. Yeah, yeah. You're still uh, planning to start selling uh, your your own individual grills and. Yep. yep. Working on that. You've got a, a, a taco, a morning taco truck coming to Franklin Barbecue, which God. will be open. Gosh dang! You make me sound like a very busy person. Sometime after, sometime uh, after, after hot luck. luck. Yeah, yeah, I think we're gonna ease into it. We're probably gonna take. I'm gonna try to get. Stacy and I are gonna try to take two days off after hot luck. Um, two, and days. It'll, two days two um, days and then it'll take me a couple days to like get all the cookers cleaned and not that I'm going to clean them I mean there are many of us um, but I think the week after that we're probably going to start working on the taco trailer I was hoping to have it ready for a hot luck but it's not too much I have a master class that came out today oh yeah and that's five hours of teaching how two, to make 200 hours of broccolini, of broccolini. <laughs> um, so I might do some stuff for that maybe not I don't know the um, um the taco truck will it be will there be barbecue and all the tacos or it'll be a variety of different no 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 just a super normal taco place okay. uh, there will be brisket and thar tacos um, and some of the tacos not all some the of the tacos right. uh, yeah super basics like you know bacon egg cheese yep. avocado um, I'm a big fan of patty sausage I'm kind of like what I think of like 60's kind of like Tex-Mex tacos okay uh, like Owen sausage is yeah yeah Jimmy thing. Dean's uh, so we're making patty sausage in house um, in-house, you know you could just buy it. Well, that wouldn't be any fun. <laughs> um, that wouldn't be enough work. Making the chorizo in-house. Like, we, we make everything from scratch. Well, where do you like to get tacos <clears throat> besides Veracruz? Um, I really like Granny's mm-hmm. over off of 7th. Uh, Primo's great. Uh, which one did you just say? I said Veracruz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had Veracruz. Yeah, Veracruz, great. Granny's, Primo's. Um, Pueblo Viejo is really great. Yeah, it is. Um, do you go to the trailer down by Leroy and Lewis, or do you go to the little thing at no, the north I, door? Well, I used to go to the trailer when it was behind the old key. Right. Uh, but then they moved into the north door, and I can't find parking, so I kind of can't ever really get over there anymore. Uh, but I still like them. 
Um, parking and noise gosh, are the two biggest complaints about restaurants in this city. Man, parking's terrible. Um, I like Joe's Bakery quite a bit. You do? Owen Sausage. Well, maybe it's not Owen's. I don't know, but it's Patty Sausage. <laughs> That's my go-to. You said you got two days off. <clears throat> I won't get pried too deep into your personal life, but say you've got 24 hours, the wife and the kiddo. What do you do with a day off in Austin? I don't know. I haven't had one in 10 years. <laughs> I've been thinking about it a lot. Like, what am I going to do? Um, Stacy really needs a new planter box for her garden so I think I'm going to build a planter box uh, but it's like a 10 foot long planter box um, so I need to cut the steel because we already built three other ones um, and then I need to build the steel structure um, then I need to get the tractor over do some stuff in the yard dig out some bamboo um, I need to do an oil change on one of the old trucks just a casual Sunday so yeah, that's pretty much, the, there you go. There's my two days. Hope my wife didn't hear this. <laughs> <laughs> that's our show. Thanks for listening and thanks to our sponsor, Copenhagen Furniture. Check out the Austin 360 Instagram and Facebook for more about life in Austin. And talk to us on Twitter at loveaustin360. And please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps others find our podcast. I love you so much. The Austin 360 Podcast is a production of the Features staff at the Austin American Statesman. This episode was produced by Alyssa Vidalis. Our theme music is from local band Hardproof, which you should definitely check out at hardproofmusic.com. You can find everything you'd ever want to know about this show and its contributors at austin360.com slash loveaustin360. And if you want to pitch in an idea for the show or give us feedback, shoot us a note at loveaustin360 at statesman.com. We couldn't do this show without you, dear listeners, and we can't thank you enough for lending us your ears, your comments, and your passionate support about the Austin dining scene. Until next week, you can find us sipping and snacking somewhere around town. Since 1983, Copenhagen Modern Furniture has showcased Austin's largest collection of fine contemporary furniture and accessories. Now, at Copenhagen, save $500 on any stressless signature or leg comforter recliner model. For more ways to save, shop online at copenhagenliving.com or visit the showroom on Breaker Lane. Copenhagen Modern Furniture, Austin's premier destination for everything contemporary since 1983. Three.